I'm trying to build a family that acts like a business from time to time. Put my feet on the floor every single day and I ask myself one question, and that's what will I? And, you know, I ask my people to do the same thing because the what will I question starts each and every day with how do I impact a life today? How do I make a difference today? How do I approach a problem today? Welcome back to the Brain and Brand Show. I'm your host, Timothy Maurice, and our goal in this podcast is to explore the psychology of human and brand behavior. Thanks for diving into this two-part Leading Mind series. This series was inspired by my recent travels to America, seeing how two leaders from vastly different backgrounds have managed to become so successful and impactful. Part one, Joe Dudley Sr., the iconic care tycoon, the founder of Dudley Products, an 82-year-old pioneer, shares his soul. And although frail, you'll be moved by his passion and conviction if you haven't heard it already. Much like the first episode, the following conversation with Rob Brainman is filled with tenacity and conviction. However, unlike the much more senior Dudley, Brainman is in his entrepreneurial prime, a seasoned, sharp, and deeply analytical entrepreneur who's built and sold a couple of successful businesses. Brainman is founder and CEO of Cogent Analytics. He's led Cogent Analytics to Inc.'s 500 and 5,000 list of fastest-growing businesses in America three consecutive years. Brayman's Brainchild is a business management consulting firm helping small to medium-sized businesses by providing solutions such as strategic planning, operational efficiencies, business development, and helping solve a range of organizational challenges. I got a chance to sit down with Brayman in his office in Greensboro, North Carolina. From the moment I walked in until the time we completed this conversation... Every person I spoke to in his office translated the same level of focus, and you'll hear why they are motivated to do so. Enjoy. Rob Brayman, welcome to the Brain and Brand Show. Tim, it is truly a privilege and a pleasure to have on the show today. Thank you. Where did your passion for people begin? I am uh, a baby of four, uh, so my father... He had a viewpoint in the world that, you know, if you're willing to move, you're willing to move up. So he drug our family all over the world. We lived in Brazil for five and a half years. Um, always being the new kid forces you, especially as a young man, to learn very quickly that, you know, instead of being the guy sitting in the corner as the new kid, that you had to learn how to engage. And I think through that process and you know, my service in the military and myself and my own story of you know moving around as much as I did probably forced me into a position where I had to appreciate people of all different shapes, sizes, walks of life. And I think that's matured over time. You had an early childhood experience as a teenager where you were forced to kind of grow up as a young man without your father. Very Share a little bit about how that impacted your life. So my, my father passed away when I was 15 years old, and um, you know, it was a profound loss. Uh, I will tell you it was a, a fundamental shift. I always say that I went from you know, who's who to juvenile delinquent in about two and a half seconds and quickly found my pathway. And I, went, I went to college for a semester and woke up one morning with my best friend and and knew that that wasn't the right path at that time in my life and elected to join the United States Army. So I would tell you that that young kid who had lost his way a little bit uh, was given quite a bit of structure and guidance and purpose 
which I think was you know the foundation of who I've become as a as a leader today. It's incredible. There is not a single successful business leader or anyone highly influential who cannot point back to it some sort of teenage or, or early childhood experience that thwarted them, that inspires them. You know, you look what you look at internally at the delinquent that became highly successful. How does that link to you having a business at Coaching Analytics that's one of the fastest growing business in your field? Uh, adversity tends to, you know, there's an old expression that says uh, steel um, can be hammered and yet cold enough can be broken. Um, and I think the tempering that you go through in life, if you're at least self-aware, if you take the time to appreciate uh, life, for lack of better words, um, I've seen a lot of people go to the negative, as many as I've seen very strong either business acquaintances or mentors of my own that I, I would say share that same kind of adversity story. So how you approach that adversity and your choice to succeed is really foundational to most of my interactions with other leaders. And I think people that inspire me and drive me is that same same common thread. You know, I've, I say to my people here that uh, choice of what we do every day. I get up, I put my feet on the floor every single day and I ask myself one question, and that's what will I? And, you know, I ask my people to do the same thing because the what will I question starts each and every day with how do I impact a life today? How do I make a difference today? How do I approach a problem today? And, and that's got to be internal. You know, that's some, those are questions that we ask ourselves, whether it's family or it's business or it's an inner relationship with an employee. If you don't start with what will I do today to make a positive, I think it gets lost in the dialogue. Perhaps one of the most impressive things as I was researching for this interview and conversation is that you're looking to duplicate yourself as in small business owners and one of the foundational principles or philosophies is a code of honor could you it share is. a little bit about your code of honor um, it goes back to the beginning of our discussion and probably was foundational in my development in i would say my early 20s but the code is very straightforward it's honor courage wisdom faith perseverance and loyalty and to me those are the tenets of strength power and character and I I try to exemplify those behaviors every day amongst my people I try to interact with business relationships in that same way uh, I think it the top of the wheel starts with honor first and I don't know whether you want to keep this on a podcast but I will tell you it goes back to my military days and it's tattooed on my back so um, amazing you know, for for a code that you live by each and every day, um, it can't, you know, people talk about having a code. Um, if it's not tangible, if it's not real, if it's not something that you can truly walk that path every day, then it then it's just words. Share with us one moment where you had to draw upon the core of this code, where there was a moment where business was tough. Because we all know an entrepreneur is going to go through a roller coaster ride where your faith was tested. The honor of who you are. Oh, good Lord. Um, 
You know, small business is an incredibly different journey, um, and it's an incredibly difficult journey. The the fact of the matter is when somebody is starting a business and you're trying to generate that first dollar of revenue, uh, not only will your faith be tested, but I find that your honor is tested and having to make the right choice instead of the expedient choice. You know, expediency may create a dollar. It very rarely is durable. And to me, when you choose the path of honor each and every day, it may not always be the easiest path, but if I were to give you an anecdotal, I was um, sued by a, a previous group that I had been participating with, and I had all the protections in place, but they were trying to sue me out of business before I ever got started. And they collaborated with another group to try to you know, create a two-prong approach. And in most environments, I would tell you that um, there were plenty of times my wife and I asked ourselves why, why we chose this path. And, and I said, because it's the right path. It's, it's what our calling was, and that was raise others up and you will rise. And, I, and you know, it's funny, I tell my employees that at least once a week, right? You cannot be in service of others. Service is an honorable profession, but you cannot be in service of others if you don't start with that simple basic premise that their benefit, their future, their employees' future, their growth and success has got to be preeminent to your own. I think success takes care of itself as long as you're choosing to do the right thing. And there were many times in the growth of coaching analytics where um, I would tell you all attributes of my code of code of of life has been tested, and it's the perseverance piece that I if if I were talking to a group of listeners, you know, that when tested, it's the tempering of that steel that that I think you know you 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 take upon yourself. Let's go to the mindset of an entrepreneur. What are some of the basic tenets of the mindset? And you've shared a bit about it in terms of that kind of internal courage and value system and character. But strategically, analytically, what are, you, what are some things that you think the average entrepreneur undervalues or underappreciates? So it, let's start this with saying that most entrepreneurs are phenomenal technicians. They have a great idea. They're inspired to take that idea to market. And, you know, very rarely do entrepreneurs come from, you know, that college, advanced degree, you know, graduate study. Most entrepreneurs are real people. Whether you're in America or you're in South Africa and you're in Korea or Europe, um, you know, I, what I find is that consistent theme of the entrepreneur is somebody who's aspiring to do something with their own hands, and they tend to be visionaries, right? They're honorable, they're courageous, they want to do right by their employees, they want to do right by their families, um, and I would say that that probably is the most common threat I see. The, the problem we run into, it, could we represent them for a living, is most often the entrepreneur takes that great idea and they get started and they start hiring employees and all of the all of the structures of business the business of the business sometimes gets lost 
So they work really, really hard, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, sometimes greater than that. And the remuneration from all of those behaviors tends to be uh, minimized by the lack of processes, the lack of true business development structure, control over operations, measurement. Those are not the things that they went into business for. They went into business for that great idea. And they create a living for themselves, but they're, I believe that a, a, a small business owner or a small business unto itself should be a wealth creation vehicle. Now, that isn't about greed. It's You take a massive amount of risk when you open the door in a small business. And you know, whether you're signing personal guarantees with the bank, whether you're looking for funding, whether you're buying capital equipment, you're buying vehicles and trucks, Whatever that case may be, it's typically your signature on the bottom line. And I, I can tell you thousands of stories where people work their heart out and they take care of their employees and they're taking care of their families. The small business owner has that same dream and aspiration as those folks that you know have a J-O-B. They, they want to provide for those in their governance and most often self-sacrifice on behalf of their people long before they take their own self-benefit. And, and I think you can do both. I think you can do business honorably and manage, and I, I don't want to overemphasize this, and I've said it before, it's not about greed. It's about profit being oxygen in a business, and you have to have a well-planned strategy to be able to take care of employees, take care of your vendors, take care of the people you're doing business with, but it's not an entirely selfless exercise. There has to be some remuneration for the risk you take. What did you do uh, to engineer your mind to understand and apply the value of analytics and data? Because these are not things that people just learn, you know, you know, on the street or along the way, not even in school sometimes. But what, what have you exposed yourself to? Is it just self-learning? Is it... Tim, I think you just asked me why I'm a geek. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I mean, this is, I, you know, why I'm interested in that question is specifically because I come across entrepreneurs and very few apply that. I mean, in a briefing conversation you and I had, we spoke about how you're even going to apply this to marketing. And I, I believe deep down that that is one of the biggest weaknesses. And I think people listening <laughs> will want to know. Behaviorally, I am an analytic driver. Okay. Um, I have the propensity towards math and sciences first. Even when I was a young man, I trended towards math and science. And sometimes that's not that's not everybody's bailiwick. Um, but I can tell you it can be a learned behavior. Okay. And, you know, it, I, I developed something many, many years ago. I've been representing clients for 17 years. And probably circa 2004, 2005, I developed what I fondly refer to today as the profit platform, which functionally defines the pillars of business. Uh, you know, we did a Venn diagram, which is really our core approach to the science of business. And we've broken down those pillars into four key areas that contribute and detract from profitability, that long-term health and welfare of that small business. And, and in those pillars, you have business development, human resources, operational, and measurement. And measurement can be financial and operational measurement. Because if you're measuring operational performance, you can 
manage within the day, and you can share that information with employees, which empowers them. Most people that come to work for you really need a vision. They need a guidance. They need to believe that they're fighting for something greater than self. And and through that, if you give them the information, and you can't over-inundate people with too much data. You know, most people have to be given enough information that they can have empowerment over. So if there's something that's coming through this thread, I want to be very careful about how I describe that. We believe that measurement has as much impact in behavior, not because you're lording lording those metrics of performance over somebody, but really providing people with mission, vision, and guidance, and then the measurement to empower them to choose to succeed. And I, and I, I use those words very carefully. People in an organization, if you really have a healthy organization, you've got a good, strong team, that empowerment you find to be organizationally wide, right? Because now everybody, you know, there's competition, healthy and unhealthy. The measurement process should empower people to not only be successful for self, but also create a healthy conversation amongst their peers and and moderate that unhealthy competition that sometimes in, occurs in organizations and and I think that is critical if I if I key in on that analytical piece is that measurement process that drives the other three pillars business development human resource most critically and then operational performance right because people want to succeed in a profession they wouldn't come to work with you if they didn't if they didn't want to be successful in that role. And I think for entrepreneurs, we tend to, we either over measure or we measure nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a moderation to that. So, so sorry. You're so right. I've answer. seen so many designers and, you know, uh, I find that people, like you said, they're either extremely good on the faith side and they pray every day, but they measure nothing or they measure and they don't have any honor or faith. <laughs> so true. Ask your listeners to evaluate self first. Um, it's funny, in our discovery process, one of the first key initiatives that we do with our clients is identify where are they on the behavioral spectrum, where are they on the psychological, because you can't give somebody a tool if it flies in the face of their own view of the world. And the better you attune yourself to, A, the person you're representing, more importantly, them attune themselves to them, and understand why they make decisions that they make. What are their drivers? Are they employee drivers? Are they family drivers? Are they profit drivers? You begin to change the dialogue where a client can embrace and, and consume change in their business through recognizing self first. Let's talk a little bit about, as we wrap up, your future sort of vision for the organization. Do you see yourself you know, growing into more of North America, you know, expanding out to Europe. Where do you see your market, both the growth of your market, both locally and globally? Everybody asks me two questions. Well, how, how big do you want to be and how fast do you want to get there? And I will tell you, Tim, that's, that's, those are not drivers for me. I, I frankly don't care. I, I will give you an answer because we are a goal-oriented organization. I know that we will be in all 50 states by the end of 2022. Um, that we're in 24 states currently. We've had a, a great success with organizational development. And, and the, the greatest success for me in the last 12 months 
is a conversation I just had with my directors where, you know, when you start a business, you really touch everything. And if you do your job right, you know, we're just crossing over that five and a half, almost six year threshold. And I've empowered people where they functionally have made coaching analytics into what it is today more than Rob Brayman has had that fundamental impact. And for me, taking that hard step back, and there's a reason why I'm telling this story, taking that hard step back, self-evaluating and realize that I could quickly become the impingement to the success of my overall organization if I'm not empowering my team to truly be responsible within their own governance and have those controls for their people and develop their team empower the spirit that is supposed to be coaching analytics, whether it's with my clients or internally, the same value system is true. So I will say this to you. I've had a number of clients who've tried to drag us across borders already, and I've been very careful not to do that as of yet. Um, I know it is likely going to be in the future because it happens too frequently, and the larger we get, the more frequently it happens. Um, I don't put a cap on who we're supposed to become. I think that as long as I'm true to the core values of why we started in the first place, you know, my greatest fear is losing the, the thing that I think makes us the greatest, and that's our culture. Um, I just said to one of my analysts this morning that if we ever lose the culture, then I lost sight of why we did it in the first place. Um, I'm trying to build a family that acts like a business from time to time, and I know that sounds like a euphemism, but it, it truly is who we are. The way I want to close this conversation is that many people, many big business leaders, particularly in the management consulting space, simply write off small business owners. They do. If you're making a million, it's like, ah, you don't really have the budget for us to exploit, etc. Why do you have faith and believe so much in a young, in a young entrepreneur in a small business? Um, it's, it is the spirit. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. This is my, my fourth uh, company that I've built, and I represented for 11 years entrepreneurs. There is something about that entrepreneurial passion, spirit, drive, that ingenuity, that innovative approach towards life that, frankly, drives me. I know what it gets me up in the morning, and I've, I've had the privilege and the pleasure of, um, you know, I've prayed with families uh, in a warehouse floor, I've cried with moms and dads. Um, I've been through more adversity because remember, the small business owner is about family as much as it is about business. And there is nothing uh, in the world that uh, drives me. I always, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you an anecdote. I tell every person that comes to work here either you're going to end up being addicted like the rest of us, or it's like clawing your eyes out with two rusty spoons. <laughs> If you're not, if you don't have a passion for um, the success of others and being able to see other people put their arms and get control and finally be able to accomplish some of those goals, if that doesn't get you up in the morning, I, do, I don't know what does. So um, there's a little insight into my crazy. <laughs> um, you know, most of my project directors ran us to laugh at me when I tell them the, the two rusty spoons story, but I. I I um, I believe it. You know, yeah. if you don't do this for the right reasons, you shouldn't be doing it. Well, I appreciate your honor in sharing the value and the vision, and I appreciate you joining us on the Brain and Brand Show. 
Tim, it's truly been my pleasure. Thank you. A huge thanks again to both Joe Dudley Sr. and Rob Raymond for making time, and I hope you were as moved as I was listening to two leaders from two different eras share their story. As we continue to evolve the Brain and Brand Show, you can expect more global conversations, research, and insights, and of course, we'll continue to simplify leading neuroscience and behavioral science so you can take advantage of the best knowledge about the brain to elevate yourself, your people, and your brand. Until next time.